At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode of Bushers Breakaway is brought to you by the fans. That's right, that's you. You're a fan, and we appreciate you. If you want to appreciate us, you know, you can support us in many different ways. You can go to churchofcaco.com, buy some merch. You can say hello to us on Twitter at Orion Mead and at Blue Shirts Break. You could just like and like and subscribe to the podcast, and we appreciate that so much. Big show today. We have Steve Gales. Come on, he's the Mets beat reporter. But, well, I know you know this is the Mets podcast. I mean, you've been listening this long, right? But, my wife laughing in the background, in case you're wondering. Uh, he actually has an incredible Ranger story. Was that a wife brag? I think it was. Anyway, let's get to Mark Messier and the show. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Bush Break fans, welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Bye. Okay. <laughs> welcome back to the East Coast after... Good, good, good to be here. Good to be alive. Many days happy, happy in, I made it. in Las Vegas. Um, let me tell you what you missed. Probably cool. not. I, I, watched both, I watched both games. I know. I saw that. I was really proud of you, to be honest. But uh... Look, 7 o'clock, 4 o'clock and 5 o'clock starts in Vegas time. Oh, chef's kiss, Ryan. It's so perfect. You grab a beer. It's a one o'clock Ranger game. It sounds super nice, to be honest. It was great. It was great. But the the Thursday game, we literally needed something to do between not wanting to gamble anymore and not wanting to eat dinner yet. So we watched the Ranger game. And then fri- a five o'clock start on Friday. Boy, I got to tell you, just it's like a happy it's a happy hour you want to be a part of. Damn, that does sound nice. I like I sometimes I get jealous of people on the West Coast in sports because they don't have to stay up super late to watch their team. Like especially when the Rangers go to the West Coast, it's like, well, I can stay up till two a.m. now and watch this game, or I could go to sleep. Uh, it's always a really tough call. The, this uh, le- the 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 part the part that does suck is you get to you know how like on the East Coast you get to ten o'clock and you can just put like a West coast game on to be like, all right, this will carry me through for the rest of the night. Yeah, You get to 10 o'clock on the West coast. and You're like, Oh, Oh, TV's done for the day. Like there's nothing else on TV. This This is is over. Yeah. Like once the golden state game ends, it's like, well, that's, that's it. I've got nothing going on. That's Uh, it. I guess I have to go be social and do things and spend money. And it's terrible. uh, Our podcast changes a lot after this week. This is usually, usually our podcast for the season is in two halves, right? What's going to happen at the trade deadline. And then we have Rick Carpinello on, usually, uh, during the trade deadline. And then it's what's happening in the future afterwards. This is the last week we have to sort of answer these questions, these ponders, these what the hell is New York Rangers going to do 
when it comes to trade deadline. Uh, will Kreider get extended? Will Tony D'Angelo be traded? Will Pavel Buchnevich be traded? Will Henrik Lundqvist be traded? All these things, all these questions now go away starting next Monday. The next time you listen to this podcast, if unless it's BSBOT, BSB, uh, theathletic.com slash BSB to sign up now, uh, all those questions will be answered. Gregory, final prediction mm. time between you and I. And by the way, before we get to that, we have an amazing interview today. Steve Gelb's Mets, yes, that's right, Mets field reporter, who happens to have an amazing Rangers legacy. He tells the story, and it's it's a top five interview we've ever done, Greg? I'd say so. Yeah, one of the most enjoyable, that's for sure. Uh, fun, fun, fun sidebar story. I was scrolling through my phone today, because mm-hmm. naturally, as one is to do after a long trip in Vegas, uh, no food in the house, so I needed to get some Chinese, because that's the only thing my body craved in this exact moment. And I was, I, Ryan, I couldn't remember the name of the Chinese place I go to. It's been a while. I know I have a couple Chinese phone numbers saved in my phone. So I was like, all right, I must have called it recently. What's, <laughs> and I'm scrolling through my phone and I see Steve Gelb's S&Y as one of the last calls. And I was like, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> how did that happen? What are they doing? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't deserve it. That's well, listen, sure. the interview's coming up uh, after this first intro segment. So final predictions for both of us and what will happen in the upcoming week. Kreider could be traded tonight. We're recording this right now at 4.08 p.m. Be be, be honest with me, Ryan. Are you a little angry a trade didn't happen while I was in Vegas? Yeah, it's just like, you know, I love the content, and I love slinging that tent. And the fact that uh, when you were in Vegas, either, like, the immense despair you would have or the elation from winning gambling and also other substances possibly uh would from, from winning from winning while gambling <laughs> yeah. you must me no yeah. come on no that's true um but for no trades to happen and other trades uh other teams in the in the league to uh sort of make these substantial trades we saw two first round picks already get traded so to have that happen without the rangers being involved is pretty interesting especially because chris Kreider um definitely the number one asset on the on the trade bait list, uh, according to TSN. Booch, number 12, very strange. So, I was, uh, to miss that opportunity did not feel good, Gregory. Mm. Mm, very good. Well, I'm, I'm sorry for you. I, me too. And all the fans. Let's make our predictions. Uh, as much, I've had a really tough week uh, when it comes to Chris Kreider. I know you feel uh, probably a little different than I do. The Chris Kreider deal is is simple in my head. On one hand, Yes, he's not going to age gracefully, and having him around for seven more years, probably by year four, that contract doesn't look great. On the other, the guy's playing out of his absolute mind currently. He currently, I mean, obviously to me at least, wants to be a Ranger long term. I feel like he's made that clear. I think he could be more helpful than other players on this team to take up cap space in the long term. But my brain just refuses to let me keep Chris Kreider despite my love for him because of the trade market that has evolved currently. Uh, I mean, getting a first-round pick and a, a quality player for a player like Chris Kreider just seems like too good to pass up with the chance to re-sign him in July if that time does come. Chris, it's been a good run. We've probably seen the last time Chris Kreider has played at MSG versus the Bruins. Uh, sad way to go out. But he's been on absolute fire and probably the best Ranger for the last couple weeks. Do you, do you see any way... Any way possible, the Rangers retain Chris Kreider. No. Yeah, me either. Does- yeah, I, th- I think it, I think the nail in the coffin, and I, it, the circumstances are a little different, um, but I do think the nail in the coffin was the Blake Coleman trade last night. 
I get that Blake Coleman has another year of control. I get that he's making under $2 million a year. Um, I also get that Blake Coleman is having a career year and does not have this type of track record of proven 25-plus goal scorer, proven 40-plus point player. Those are two marks he's actually never reached in his career. Um, if he's going for a premium prospect and a first-round uh, first pick, you can't look at Chris Kreider and say you're not going to get more than that. Blake it's, Coleman got almost as much as Taylor Hall. I think you can make a case you got more. Yeah, you really can. I, I I think Nolan Foote's a better prospect than either of the any of the prospects the Devils got in the Taylor Hall trade. Yeah, I don't think that's I don't, even I don't a, think that I don't argument. think that's a hot take either. No, it's not. So this this will be our last week seemingly with Chris Kreider unless he resigns in the offseason. And again, you and I have talked about this on BSBOTs, but I just find that frankly not possible. Yeah, it's just it's it's it it it's happened. So it, we can't say it hasn't happened before. But you know, teams have also come back from down three zero in a seven game series to win. It doesn't mean it happens all the time. Yeah, the obituary will happen for Chris Kreider next week, and as, as we have Rick Carpinello on, who's been on part of the uh, hashtag sign him tra- uh, sort of brigade uh, for Chris Kreider. It just doesn't seem like the the salary cap and the decisions the Rangers have made to sign certain players. And I'm not just talking, you know, everybody. Uh, they just can't keep Chris Kreider for the long term. Now, would Chris Kreider help you win a cup in the next three years? Maybe, probably not. And I think what everyone needs to take take a step back in, and say to themselves is, has this Ranger team exceeded expectations for this year? I think, Gregory, you could say this pretty clearly. And, I, I mean, even with Sean Tierney's charts from charting hockey and, and the trending that the Rangers have gone, They've gone up. Like, things have been good for the Rangers. They won three three games last week. They only lost to the Bruins. The Bruins, though, the Bruins game really shows you what you need to be to win a Stanley Cup, right? Like, that team, despite the Rangers hanging around in the game, absolutely dismantled the Rangers from start to finish. Like, knew where their passes were going, were abusing them on the, uh, on the penalty kill. Like, just... They didn't. Dic- they dictated how the game was played, and the Rangers were just trying to survive. And if you want to win a Stanley Cup, that's the kind of team you have to be. And unfortunately, I don't think Chris Kreider is going to be around for when we are that team. Does that does is that a far fetched idea, or am I or am I on base with that? Well, it, it it just goes back to something I've said or have tried to say multiple times, where you you can't afford to pay your role players. And this isn't a knock on Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider is like the ultimate top tier role player where you need guys like that in order to win. But the key is to make sure you're not paying those guys to be something more than they are. Chris Kreider's always been upper echelon tier two player. Like he's never been a tier one guy and that's fine. Chris Kreider's really great, but he's Chris Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider's a really good second line scoring winger who can pick up points on the power play. That's not an insult that he's one of the, he's one of the best players in the league at what he does. But I don't think the the thing that got the New York Rangers in trouble is giving out big money, long-term contracts to guys that weren't critical to what they wanted to do long-term. He's not Mika Zibanejad. He's not Artemi Panarin. He's not even, I know people hate Jacob Truba now for some reason, but I'd, I'd still take Jacob Trouba for the next six years over Chris Kreider. For the I'm next glad six you years. brought that up because I put a poll up this week to say who would you take yeah, in the next six, six years. 60% of the people that responded to that poll are fucking stupid. I mean, I'll I, say it. I I'll was, say it. I, I was, know some of you and you're idiots. <laughs> I was on the Kreider side a little bit. 
Um, Truba's going to be a, a hot a hot topic button for us for the next couple of months, so we'll just save that. But for Chris Kreider, it, it has been a great run. Um, it's It'll be really sad to see him go. I For me, it hurts more than Zuccarello. That, that's my guy. Uh, and it'll definitely be tough to... I hope he does... Whatever team he goes to, I hope wins the cup, unless it's... Hmm, who would it be? Well, Penguins already made a trade. Uh, and sort of the Lightning. I think, I think he's... I, it makes a whole lot of sense for him to go to the Bruins. It really does. It does. And you, you see how the Bruins... Like, the Bruins, they don't... For the regular season, like, they don't need Chris Kreider, right? But if this team has Stanley Cup aspirations, they're clearly one piece away. And it... Ne- it's never been more clear what that one piece is. It's literally Chris Kreider. I, I had multiple pe- Boston people follow me this week on Twitter and like say things. And I was like, what are you doing here? And then I realized like, oh, you all want Chris Kreider. Like that's yep. all you want. It's you want one thing. It's him. And I don't blame them. Um, I wonder what they'll end up giving up if they do and, and when or wh- if that trade will happen. Um, you really, I could, I could see the Bruins doing um, or the Rangers doing with the Bruins, kind of what they did with Tampa Bay, where, they get one guaranteed first and then put a condition on another pick. Like if the Bruins win the Stanley cup once in the next two years, the Rangers also get that pick too. I think that's fine. Um, Cause if, if the Bruins are really high on uh, Andrews Bjork or other players they have, they don't want to give them up. I think that's a fine. Well, I think the Bruins are all, well, I actually think the Bruins are going to give up that player too. I oh. just think the, the Rangers are going to have the Bruins over a barrel here. I mean, you, uh, if you're the Bruins and we're clearly not, but you've seen, the Penguins and the Lightning ante up over the last two weeks. And the Lightning, by the way, have won 10 in a row. That team is clicking. And you want to win this year. What are you going to do? You're going to sit back and just not make a move? You lost in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. You want to just be like, no? So I think you're right with actually somehow, and I don't know how, but Gorton does have the leverage in this situation. Yep. And it's not just it's not just the Bruins. I mean... The Avalanche are losing players to injuries quicker than we can. Well, Grubauer just went down for, about the, for the Avalanche, so I mean that opens up Georgiev talks possibly again. Who knows if that happens? Yeah, yeah I doubt it. I, I you you asked for a prediction earlier. The only trade I see the Rangers making is Chris Kreider. I, I think, think they're going to wait until the offseason for everybody else. I think I agree with you. Um, I, 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 it's weird because the whole season I was like the Rangers. Gorton's going to trade five people at the deadline, and I think Strom is is no way moving. I don't think Tony's moving. Um, I don't think. I don't think there's any other surprise like prospect trade. I think it's no Georgiev, no Hank. I guess I guess the only guy we haven't thought of is Jesper Faust. I I guess he could get traded, but I really feel like I feel like the Rangers aren't shopping Faust as much as they are just if you want to come to them with a really good trade offer, the New York Rangers will listen. But they're not just going to trade Faust for the the Nick Holden obligatory third round pick. Like you're going to have to make it worth the Rangers' time to trade Fost. Otherwise, I think if you offered a second, they would trade him. Like they would. Just I think, think they okay. would. And, and I mean, I think it's totally possible that that happens. I mean, fucking Islanders just traded a second round pick for what? Andy Green. Dude, what the hell? What? Yeah, I would. I, I was sitting next to our buddy Jeff when that trade happened, and he was like, "What?" And it, his point was was clear. It's just Lou Lamorella loves Andy Green. He signed him as an undrafted free agent. He manned the organization that Andy Green captains for years upon years. Okay, but Andy when Green Lou is likes 37 it, years old. Yeah, not that good anymore. But when Lou likes a guy, Lou likes a guy. It's the same. When Lou hates a guy, Lou hates a guy. So Lou's going to give up what he wants for a guy he likes. It doesn't matter if that guy is good or not. Lou is like the most confusing 
<laughs> like GM out there. He well, just... I don't know th- because I, I think everything he does makes sense in Lou's mind. Like Lou loves Leo Komarov. So Lou doesn't see a problem in giving him two more years than he should on a contract. Lou loves Andy Green. So a second round pick for a guy he loves, that's no problem. Lou just loves weird guys. I, I, I don't think there's anything confusing about it. I think it's very clear that when he likes a guy, he's going to go out and get his guy and make sure he he isn't overbid on that market. It's just the guy Lou likes tend to not be good. Did you uh, – I don't know if you saw this tweet. I forget who it was. It might have been Dom. Not sure. Uh, it's the Rangers have a better goal differential than the Islanders this year. It's like, uh, okay. That. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That. Yeah. yeah, also, speak, speaking of uh, the Islanders, I could have seen – Two games while I was in Vegas. The first was Thursday night. Vegas-St. Louis Blues. 5-5 game that goes to overtime. Blues win it in overtime 6-5. It's a good game. Nuts game. Nuts game. So what are the, what's the game we go to? Islanders. Vegas-Islanders. Saturday night. A one nothing barn burner where I witnessed Ryan... We're Rangers guys, right? So we've watched uh, super, a lot of the New York Rangers. Super biased Ranger dudes, yes. No, but no, no, no. But we've just we've seen a lot of the Rangers, which means we've seen a lot of individually bad defensive performances, right? I've watched a lot of people play bad. Right, defense. Mark Stahl, Mark Stahl, Nick still, Holden, still out there doing it. That second half of Kevin Klein, mm. the the last couple of years of Dan Girardi, we've seen bad, like capital B A D bad with the New York Rangers on defense, right? Mm-hmm. No question in my mind. Noah Dobson put together the worst defensive performance I have ever seen in my life. It got to a point where when I pointed it out to Jeff, who I went to the game with, I was like, this is terrible. The second I did that, Ryan, in a seven-second span, he turns over the puck. uh, The Knights take a shot on Varlamov. The carom comes off Varlamov back to Dobson, who then turns it over again to the same guy again. And another shot goes off Varlamov. And I was just, I sat there stupefied trying to imagine what the hell my reaction would reaction would be if this was a New York Ranger doing this. I couldn't even and, imagine. And well, it, actually it, I can, because we've done it before. It, 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 Ryan, it just, I, we wanted, it, it got to a point where we tried to go on natural stat trick after the game to look up just how bad his numbers were on an analytical level level and natural stat trick just didn't have the game available. It was like hiding it from the world. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, I, I wish him all the best. I guess the last thing I want to talk about before we get to our Steve Gelbs and then come back and do some five-star questions is uh, what do we make of this Henrik Lundqvist situation where he just isn't – I mean, that's a topic that everyone talks about, right? What's happening with Hank? Is he going to play well, again? Well, I – no, because it's, it's – it's, I think it's very simple. I don't think – no, I don't I, – not only do I think it's very simple, it's just nothing's changed because David Quinn hasn't – he hasn't gone off script yet, right? Nope. So Igor, Igor picks up a bit of an injury. Before the wild game. Yeah, small ankle injury. No big deal. Actually, so uh, not sarcastic. No big deal. At that point, it's 50-50 who Quinn would go with. Georgiev or Hank. He decides to go with Georgiev. It was just his turn in the rotation. That's fine. But then I personally didn't think Georgiev played well against the wild, but it doesn't matter. The got, Rangers got, got the, the dub. win. Got the dub. Right? Yeah, and David Quinn has proven time and time again, if you get the win, you get to play. So, of course, Georgiev got the win. He gets to play. Against the Blue Jackets. And a back-to-back for Georgiev shouldn't make any difference. The guy had about two weeks off in between starts. Mm -hmm. So he should be, if anything, just more in rhythm for that game. Gets the win against the Blue Jackets. 
Of course he was going to play against the Bruins. That, that was never a question. If Georgiev lost any of those games, Hank would have played. In fact, the only reason why Hank might not play after the Bruins game is because Igor's back healthy. But if Igor's not healthy, I would expect Hank to play. It's just, I everybody, every time Hank doesn't get in the crease, everyone's like, oh, what the hell is this? It's like, guys, Quinn's told us what he wants. He just wants wins. So if you get one, you get to play. It, It's... It's like Quinn, individual performance, sure, if Georgiev had a straight-up terrible game against the Wild, it could be different. I thought Georgiev had a kind of average game against the Wild. So the fact that if the Rangers lose that game 3-1, I would expect Hank to play against the Blue Jacks. The fact is, Rangers came back with a vengeance and won. And Georgiev didn't play terribly. So there was no doubt in my mind. It's just, and if the roles were reversed, if Hank started against the Wild and the same thing happened, Hank would have gotten the next start the next night too. It's this is just how Quinn goes. Yeah, I, I, I don't think, think there's I any think, controversy here. I, I've gotten some messages and some weird stuff like, "Hey, Hank's not in the new season ticket per, uh, media packages." I just think we're reading too much into this. I, I, I don't think it's over yet. I do think Hank was probably started on Wednesday. I set that unless over Igor, under- unless Igor's he- if Igor's back healthy, I think Igor plays. <sighs> Boy, all right, it's all up on Igor. Uh, let's go to our interview with, for, with Gelbs. First, an ad from DraftKings, and I'll speak in some funny voice, and then we'll come back to the Gelbs interview, then come back and do five-star questions. Here we go. Transition. The stage is set, the lights are bright, and the fighters are ready. DraftKings Sportsbook is here to help you get in on all the weekend's title fight action. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook, offered a full betting experience, including pregame, in-game, and futures betting. Not only are the special odds... For title fights happening in Las Vegas this weekend, your New Jersey Devils, your New Jersey Devils, who wrote this, are continuing to make a playoff push while they take on the Washington Capitals. DraftKings, I'm breaking character, DraftKings, I'm supposed to read this verbatim. The New Jersey Devils are continuing to make a playoff push when they take on the Washington Capitals this Saturday? Who wrote this? That's wrong. DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at convenience. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code QUICK. For a limited time, all users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, enter code QUICK and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 years old or apply. New Jersey only. Bonus cap provides the first positive bonus and first bet match. Each up to 100 and 500 Each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25x playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gamble prop call. Winter gambler. Back to the show. Hey, we're back with our first guest and only guest of the week. We have, uh, as you guys know, a Mets reporter. That, that's right. Steve Gelbs. Uh, he recovers the Mets for SNY. Steve, thanks so much for coming on. Ah, thanks for having me, boys. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming to the number one New York Mets podcast. Really appreciate you coming on <laughs> and getting out of the way real early. Uh, we'll save the Mets questions are we, for later. Are we talking any Rangers, or is it just? Are you just going to let Greg? Rip? Unfortunately, I'm here for Greg. But um... no, no, I think I think fortunately at this point. <laughs> uh, but I do want to start with the Rangers. I listen. I, I pulled a, a stunt from another podcast. I looked at your Wikipedia. You grew up all. Uh, you look. You grew up like a Rangers kid. You're, you were around the team as, yeah. as a child. Like, what's it been like being so integrated? And tell people your story about that. Yeah, I mean, I think it might still be the, the pinned tweet on my profile. But, you know, for the Rangers, or for me, I would say the, the Rangers are the reason I do what I do. Um, 
you know, I'll try and be as, as quick with it as possible. You but have no rush. When I, okay, uh, when I grew up, my, you know, all I remember as a kid is my dad being a part of the Rangers organization. I was born in 1987. He started working for the Rangers as their physical therapist in 1988. He was their physical therapist from 88 to 96. And so really my first memories of, of life, of sports fandom, come right as the Rangers are, you know, at their apex. 1992, um, you know, 93 we don't need to talk about, but obviously mm-hmm. the cup winning year in 94. And so uh, those guys, I mean, they're, they're idols to all kids, all seven-year-old kids that are, are big Rangers fans. But there was also this, this different connection where they felt like tangible people to me. You know, my, my dad was friendly, really close friends with Mike Richter. And, you know, Jay Wells would come over to our house to have dinner. And, and I, uh, the first time that I, I learned how to skate, it was because we'd have Christmas parties at Madison Square Garden and I wanted to be able to skate on the ice. So there are wow. pictures of me as a, you know, five or six year old shooting on Rajil Bear as he, you know, worked with all the kids and he would stand in the net and, and we were, you know, shooting about a half a mile per hour on Rajil Bear. And so, you know, that, that was my everything. And when the Rangers won the cup in 94, um, my dad, who, you know, as a physical therapist, the physical therapists don't generally travel with the teams and don't stand on the bench during games. Um, but in the, in the 94 cup run, he traveled to, to Long Island in the first round and then Jersey in the second or in the, in the uh, Eastern conference final, because it was close enough. And in game six, um, the the Messier guarantee game, the Rangers were down two to nothing, and my dad was sitting in the stands with with a bunch of the other you know team doctors that were out there, and they would go into the the locker room during intermission and things like that. But uh, Bruce Laferry, the, the masseuse, Bruce the masseuse, came and got my dad and said that Adam Graves was having back spasms on the bench, and Keenan wanted my dad to come down onto the bench to work on the back spasms and not take Graves out of the game. So I'm watching this game as a, as a seven-year-old. I'm devastated right now because the Rangers are down 2 nothing, and it looks like they're going to get eliminated. And all of a sudden on TV, I see my dad standing on the bench now. And all of a sudden, the Rangers go from being down 2 nothing to winning the game 4-2. to two. Okay. And just like that, Mike Keenan decides that he doesn't want my dad to not be on the bench ever again. You know, what, these guys are superstitious. So, what? Uh, my dad goes, <laughs> yeah. So, so my dad is on the bench then in game seven, the Matteau game. Oh, my God. He travels to Vancouver. He's there throughout the cup run. And you, I mean, every iconic moment, if you go look at my Twitter profile, every iconic moment, my dad's right there in the background. Messier holding up his arms in game six after completing the hat trick. He comes and, and, you know, hugs everybody on the bench. My dad's back there clapping his hands. The Rangers win the cup. Uh, there's a shot of the bench. My dad's got both his hands raised over his head, you know, tapping uh, Dick Todd on the shoulders. So, anyway, it's a long-winded way of saying that was the craziest thing ever. And I remember watching it up close and feeling like I knew at that young age, in first grade, that I needed to be a part of this. This was going to be my life somehow. And I think a lot of kids have a passion or a dream to do a lot of people want to be a sportscaster a lot of people a lot of people want to be involved in sports but it never seems realistic and to me it always seemed realistic because I grew up 
where somebody I knew, the closest person in my life, was a part of sports for a living, and, and he did it. And so, you know, it's different. I didn't choose the physical therapy route. Um, I, I like to talk a lot, so I chose the broadcasting route. But I really do think that during those early formative years, um, that that allowed me to dream big and to feel like it was something that was definitely tangible if I worked towards it, and, and ultimately – you know, it paid off, but, but it's a, it's an insane little sidebar to what was an insane, you know, memorable Stanley cup run to say the least. For the, oh for man. The but can you just imagine the scenario where the Rangers don't win game six and Keenan's just blaming your dad for everything though? <laughs> 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 like, uh, like are, are, are we talking universe where I'm just, I'm, I'm a lawyer or something like that, that <laughs> alternate universe. Oh man. Uh, now, Steve, before we started recording, you, broke what I was considering the biggest news we'll ever the, – the biggest news we claim to ever have broken on this podcast was when we had Aaron Portsline on, who was the first in-the-know guy to tell us that Artemi Panarin wanted to play for the New York Rangers. The second yeah. biggest news that we'll ever break on this podcast, you are actually the OG Rangers podcaster. Yeah. You did it before any of us. <laughs> like, this ruins my story yeah, yeah, and my narrative yeah. as to why I started Bushwick's Breakaway. So please go on and tell us more about this. Well, I mean, I, yeah, and I want to know, because cause Ryan was like, we, I want to talk about this. This is a huge deal for me. It is. So I got to hear exactly why. But yeah, when I was, I mean, when I was in college, I was, listen, I was always ambitious. Like nothing was ever um, enough for me, right? So I, I went to college and I went to, you know, a great broadcasting school where there were so many opportunities that I was always looking for something else to do something more Steve, to you can, do. And you can say right Syracuse you can brag it's fine you can brag it's okay <laughs> <laughs> um but it, it was it was at the onset where the internet was so new and you know Twitter was so new I remember even having a conversation about like who the who the heck would ever go on Twitter I mean it was still people didn't really understand but blogs were becoming a thing and podcasts were really starting in its infancy in their infancy and so there was this, these guys, there were these guys out of Chicago that became really successful with this thing called the Cubs cast um, for the Chicago Cubs. And they were basically looking to expand to, you know, all different cities across the country with all different professional sports teams. And I heard about them and, and applied to do their Rangers podcast. And, you know, I, I got really into it and uh, I did it with my, my buddy, Eric Rothman, who now does some stuff for ESPN. But we, uh, I mean, we, we busted our butts. We were, you know, Kenny Albert came on the show a bunch and a bunch of the old Rangers writers, John Delapina before he went to work at, at uh, the NHL. And, and Sam Wyman was uh, huge for us, who was at lowhut.com and Steve DePay and, and Carp and all those guys, Andrew Gross. But um, that was really, you know, it, it led to some good connections and eventually when I graduated, it led to me getting a, a chance to work with Jim Cerny and do the one season of Rangers radio on NewYorkRangers.com. That was the first year out of school, which was What year awesome was that, me, Steve? So. 2009, I believe. 20, 2009, 2010. Okay, that's, that's why. That was, the, that was Rangers radio at, uh, on the Rangers official website. And, and that was the only year they did that? Because I, I started getting into podcasts pretty early, too, like 2006, 2007. I was listening to, like, Fantasy Focus yeah. and, like, Bill Simmons. And I still listen to Bill Simmons yeah. 15 years later or whatever. But I, I was really getting into it, and there was I wasn't thinking about looking for the Rangers at that time. 
So they stopped doing that, right? Like, how long did the Rangers like yeah, podcast we only last? Did it, we we only did the Rangers radio for the Rangers official website, Jim Cerny and myself, for one season. And I don't, you know, honestly, it, it seems weird to say, but I don't remember why we stopped doing it. Um, but the one season we did was was awesome. I mean, we had we had Keenan, I think, was our first guest, and there were things that, you know, again, from my perspective, and listen, it's never stopped being cool what I do right now. I'd never, you know, I never go to, to uh, City Field and don't feel like my job is awesome and, and these people I'm speaking with are awesome. But, uh, but certainly it becomes more routine. At the time, for me, it wasn't routine at all. And the, the, the premise with Rangers Radio was mostly just uh, an interview show where the Rangers would hook us up with, with alumni. And so there were times where I would get a call and say, hey, come down to the garden. Eddie Jacquemin's going to be here tonight. Uh, so we're going to interview Eddie Jacquemin or come down to the garden. Andy Bathgate's going to be here tonight. We're going to interview Andy Bathgate. So it was that year was awesome for me. Uh, the independent one that I did that, you know, is just, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's nowhere to be found. It was just a really fun thing that, that we did at the time, but that was closer to the time period you're talking about, like 2006, 2007, 2007, 2008. Right. Yeah. The, the origin story, just to give the quick version of what's going on, or rather why I wanted to hear this, is because during the cup runs, there I, I started getting more and more into the Rangers, as you tend to do when a team starts winning. I, you know, I followed the team my whole life. I fell off during the late 2000s, and then I came back around 2010, 2011, 2012-ish, and I was still super into podcasts. So I started like looking for Rangers podcasts, and there was nothing. Yeah. It was a barren <laughs> wasteland. You couldn't find a single yeah. Ranger podcast. Okay, maybe you could find one, but it certainly wasn't for me. And as I went and looked more and more over the years, nothing happened. So I messaged Greg. I was like, I have a dumb idea, and I'm notorious for dumb ideas. And Greg one day was like, (laughs) if we do it, we have to do it every week. And here we are. It's been four and a half years later. Um, That's pretty much what happened. And listen, I told you guys guys this before, but I listen every week for the most part. I I agree with you. No, I I mean, listen, first of all, as much as I I crave – rangers content across the board i wouldn't just listen if i didn't think you guys were good so Thank you. uh you know you do a great job and that's first and foremost but your thought there maybe the one dumb idea you didn't have it sounds like but it's true um <laughs> it's true but, but your thought there um is exactly the thought that i had when i was in school and that i pursued you know there was a while where i really thought that that was going to be what I did, like I, I had dreams of building it up, building it up because I just felt like there was this, this dearth of, of, you know, constant Rangers content for what is an extremely rabid fan base. And ultimately as, as things progressed in my career, it started to become unrealistic to keep that going. But, um, but I think you, you hit the nail on the head and, you know, you guys doing it consistently and doing the job that you do. It's, it's a great, tool for uh for rangers fans and a great great listen so keep it up yeah if you want to hear part of ryan's bad ideas i have about 15 minutes i can do on his idea to have a terrarium <laughs> terrarium i'm business. still not even sure what a terrarium what, was, is but... was mentioned at my wedding by the way this, i got i got dunked on at my wedding with the terrarium thing so in case you were wondering fantastic so <laughs> uh, steve the uh the the part i'm most curious about with your ranger fandom obviously you've been diehard with the rangers from a very young age onward but as someone whose everyday job is basically to report on the inner workings of a professional sports team, is it 
has it become even more enjoyable for you to follow the Rangers? Because this is something you can take your shoes off after a long day of work and be like, you know what? I get to be a sports fan about this team. And that's something I can't say about what I do on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting question. Uh, it's different. It definitely is different. You, I think you appreciate it on a different level. You know, I, listen, there are a lot of people in, listen, there are a lot of people in all industries that feel this way, but what, whatever they're doing, it, it becomes just simply their work and, and they don't view it any other way. And I think that's true of, of people in the sports broadcasting or sports writing, sports reporting industries as well, that, you know, you cover baseball and, and baseball becomes your job. And that's certainly uh, truthful. I've always had the, the, I guess, mentality of if I ever lose the love and passion for, for what I'm doing or I ever stop appreciating fully what I get to do that I, I don't want to do it anymore because sports, the, the reason I do this is because of how crazy in love I am with sports. And then, so if that part of my life goes away, then, then what's the point, right? Um, so I, I do still, like, I don't, I guess I don't have as much of a, um, a fatigue about, about covering the Mets or, or covering baseball, as you would think. But uh, there, there's something nice for sure about just, like you said, kicking your feet up, not having to analyze every last bit, not having to, you know, if, if the wife wants to go out for dinner one night, which she certainly is entitled to after dealing with this crazy schedule for eight months out of the year and you have to miss a game, you miss a game. You know what I mean? Um, so that's, yeah, it, it's different and, um, and it's a different type of enjoyment. But I also think that what it does is it helps you gain an appreciation for the athlete um, that maybe you didn't have in the past. And it doesn't allow you, it doesn't allow me at least to be as hyper, hyper critical without knowing the inner workings, if that makes sense. So, you know, when I, I was, before I was a, a professional in this, I think I thought of players and teams in the way that most fans do, and most fans are certainly entitled to, which is if someone, you know, is not performing well, they're a bum. And if someone is, is performing well, they're a hero, you know? Um, when you get to know these guys on a human level and you understand the work that goes into it and the, and the, the you know, human problems that they deal with outside of the arena or the field, I think there's a different level of empathy. And so, Maybe when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, um, I would love one player, hate another player. And now I'm more, when I, I watch the game, I think I'm probably a little softer with how I watch the Rangers. Um, so that part's changed, but, um, but the enjoyment level doesn't, doesn't go down at all. And, and maybe you're right, maybe it is a little higher than it, than it even was before. With all that said, I guess uh, the next logical question is, how's the rebuild been for you? And uh, how do you think it's going so far? <laughs> Uh, it's listen. I love what they did with the letter, uh, and I've I've talked to people in in you know high places in different organizations in in baseball, even I've talked about that and thought you know what a great transparent thing to do. I, I think um, you know fan bases appreciate honesty, and then they're willing to buy in with honesty. And so uh, I kind of listen. It was it was hard to to feel like this group would never really get there because, 
you know, you, if, if you're a true Ranger fan, you fell in love with those guys. And, and the moments they brought were uh, just, just incredible, indelible moments. But it was, it was the right thing to do. And I think they've gone about it about as perfectly as can be. Right now, though, this particular moment has been the toughest part for me. And I, I think for most Rangers fans, uh, I, you know, that's probably the case. I, I tend to think that the people who have been hating on Henrik Lundqvist for years uh, are a minute, tiny, tiny portion of the fan base, and they're doing it just to, to troll people. But for me, this is not how I ever envisioned it, it potentially coming to a close for Lundqvist. And, you know, I, I really, for the first time, have no idea if he's going to end his career in a Rangers uniform, if he's going to end his career how he wanted to. And I don't really think anybody did anything wrong. I think, if anything, uh, too many good things happened a little too quickly. And there's just no – there seems to be no good answer right now because Sir Sturkin has clearly outperformed what even the, you know, most ardent Shesterkin fan probably expected immediately. And those in the organization probably thought, hey, bring him over here, get him used to the North American game, and he'll spend the year in the minors, and then we'll deal with this next year. But, uh, you know, all of a sudden he's ascended to be the number one guy. And, uh, you know, you don't want to give your giveaway for free, but at the same time this is – it's kind of become an untenable situation for a guy who is in my mind, and this is coming from someone who is, loves that New York Rangers 1994 Stanley Cup champion more than any team uh, ever and, and more than any team I'll ever love. But I think Henrik Lundqvist is the best Ranger of all time. And um, this is just, it's really, it's, it's confusing because I just, I don't know what the right answer is and I don't know how it's going to wrap up. Yeah, and Steve, you've you've seen something like this before in a professional capacity. I mean, that there is no Met fan alive that wouldn't trade a year of our own life just to have one more year with David Wright. But Wright was in a situation where he didn't really have a choice in the manner. It, it got to a point where the game made a decision for him, even if that was a decision he didn't want to make. Is it from where you sit? Is it that much more confusing knowing that New York, the same market that can build these stars up and build these legends up, maybe better than any other market that exists? But it, it we're getting to a point now where we're at a crossroads with Hank where it might not be his decision anymore. The difference being Hank can still play at a high level. Yeah, so that's bingo. That to me is the biggest uh, issue with some of the comparisons that I think have been out there. You know, David Wright is certainly a good one when you talk about the the affinity, the love affair from a fan base to a player. But you're right. David had the decision made for him. And quite frankly, even though he did not want to end his career that way, he still got his final moment, right? He still got this kind of poetic ending. The other comparison has been Eli Manning. And I've, I've hated that comparison that has been pushed by, by so many. And, and Hank's been asked about you know, incessantly because Eli Manning was done, you know, maybe he could have hung on, but Eli Manning was not the Eli Manning of old. And Henrik Lundqvist is not the 27 year old Henrik Lundqvist right now, but he is still a very good NHL goalie. And so for me, that's why, and I, I maybe in the minority here, but you know, at some point 
it feels like you have to move on from Georgiev, even if it's the wrong business decision, hockey decision long term. Uh, if you're an organization that feels like Shesterkin is the guy and he looks like he's the guy, he has the track record in the KHL to be the guy. Uh, let's also remember that he's only played six NHL games as, as of this taping, you know, um, it's not to, to just throw him out there and say, okay, he's, he's better than Lundqvist. He will have a better career than Lundqvist. It's crazy talk right now. But the point is, if you believe that Shesterkin's the guy, then he's not going to be someone that you're going to play, start 48 games and have someone else play, you know, close to the other half. He's going to be someone that's going to be starting 60 to 65 games a year. And in that case, you know, you've got a pipeline of goalies that the Rangers have in their system that could be those backup types. We know what Benoit Laird does with, with everybody that comes to that system. So for me, as long as Lundqvist wants to stay still and wants to finish his career with the Rangers still and play out the contract, you know, I personally – and I know it's not an easy decision, but just say, all right, let's let's see what we can get for Georgiev. Let's let's wipe up this messy situation here and move forward for the next year and a half with a tandem of, of Lundqvist and um, and Shesterkin. It's probably pie in the sky thinking. It's not how pro sports work, but Lundqvist has been that important to this organization, that classy throughout the entirety of his career, throughout this entire process. And uh, and he can still play, and that's the he can still play. And for people to not see, also, and I, I again, I know I, I don't want to give like too much credence to people out there on social media who just are throwing certain things out there. But you know, it's there's a reason why Shosturkin looks sharper than Georgiev and Lundqvist right now, because Shosturkin not only had been playing, but also played during the break in the AHL. So, you know, it doesn't matter how good of a net miner you are. You can't stay sharp when you don't play, um, you know, every uh, – except for once every two, three weeks. So, uh, it's just – you know, I know they've, they've been doing okay with the three-goalie situation, but I really think this thing needs to get cleared up. And, you know, maybe and probably more likely it won't get cleared up until June, but that, that just seems like such a far – ways away still to, to you know keep this thing going. George, you have not even on the TSN trade bait list currently, so you will have to wait till June or something will happen at, magically at the trade deadline. But I think you speak the truth there, Steve. Um, the Rangers, you might know this, not exactly great uh, at dealing with agents as of recently that you might have heard they bought out Kevin Shattenkirk. They don't have a lot of good looks. Uh, if you treat your absolute legend um, by either A, buying him out or forcing him out of the situation... Like, how does that look around the league? How does it look to agents? How does it look to anybody else? So, yes, logically, yeah, you know, logically, I, what, it makes sense. Oh, sorry, go on. What What I will say, though, and listen, again, I'm not in there, right? I'm not, I'm not in covering this team. I'm not, you know, in on any conversations. I don't think that the Rangers have handled this poorly, or that the Rangers are treating Lundqvist poorly. I think it's a situation that kind of snuck up on everybody and it's a difficult one. Like, listen, I'm telling you, I don't know what the right answer is. I don't think anybody knows a hundred percent what the right answer is because it's so ambiguous. 
Um, the biggest thing seems to be that throughout all of this, they've tried to keep Lundquist's wishes uh, at the forefront. I don't think that they are forcing him out by any stretch of the imagination. His mind might change based on the change situation. Um, but uh, if there's one thing that the Rangers do and have always done, and especially now, they did it before, but especially now under the leadership of, of John Davidson, who is as classy a guy as exists. And, you know, going back to the original, talking about, about JD with my dad, I mean, this guy is, is beloved and truly understands the, the, the organization and what it means to be a Ranger and what the history of the organization is. I have no doubt that they're handling this with communication, with care. It's just such a difficult situation. And the easiest thing to do may be to take cents on the dollar for Georgiev and, and move forward. I mean, that might end up being the easiest thing to do. But, uh, but I don't think this is going to be something that, that you know, has a bad look around the league or anything like that. I think the Rangers organization is viewed, you know, for the most part as, as a class operation. And, um, and Lundquist, you know, Lundquist has not – Lundquist has said nothing but, but the right things and has not said anything that would remotely make you think like he is being pushed out the door and being mistreated. Um, I think he knows as, as much as anyone that the situation is just a weird, and it's unfortunately this is this is what you deal with with goaltending. I mean, if if Henrik Lundqvist was the exact same type of player but a center and a hot shot center came up, you wouldn't have this conversation at all. Lundqvist would move to you know the second line or the third line. You know, you saw it with Messier late in his career, but goaltending only one guy can play, and it's 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 just a really 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 hard choice. Uh, Steve, you've been super generous with your time, so I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I have at least two more questions with a bit of a Met caveat that I have to ask that I promise are tame. Uh, first, biggest, <laughs> biggest first season in New York star impact. Was it Pete Alonzo or is it Artemi Panarin? I mean, it has to be Pete, right? And I, listen, I, I, I love Panarin. I knew he was good. I had no idea he was this good. Uh, forget about the, the goal scoring, his ability to, to um, you know, set guys up. But I had no idea how dogged he was in pursuit of the puck. I mean, this guy, the, the way he back checks, so it's, it's, it's incredible. That being said, you know, what Pete Alonso did last year was historic. What Artemi Panarin's doing is great, but it's not historic. Pete Alonso did last year is historic. And I also think um, that, you know, you kind of got the feel if you were a fan with the LFGM and, and the personality outwardly, but what he did for that room too was pretty remarkable in terms of impact. And you know, I do think that that one of the the main things that was missing in the Mets clubhouse after the 2015 season is that you lost guys like Wright, you lost guys like Michael Kadire, who people uh, have no idea what level of impact he made in that 2015 room, despite the fact that. He underperformed on the field. Uh, he was an integral part of that that run to the, the World Series. Um, the Mets have been missing that type of thing, and I think that Pete Alonso came in and just had this incredibly innate ability to lead uh, a group of men as a rookie. And so he had an incredible impact with his on-field results, but he also had an incredible impact bringing that room together. And um, and so I think that that you know. As much as I love Panarin, you got to give the nod to Pete. 
Steve, I got to disagree with you, and I'll I'll let you know when they dejuice the pucks, okay? I'll let you know. I'll text you. Uh, I just, Steve, he hit hit like 12 balls, 500 feet. Okay, all right, fine. I'm just, you know, when the pucks get dejuiced, I'll I'll, I'll send send text to Steve. Okay, there it is. I needed, I just needed Steve to say that so nobody could claim that I was the Met homer that I am. Okay. Uh, Last, last question, my buddy, my buddy Ted would kill me if I didn't ask this, Steve. It's the most important question any Met fan has. Uh, opening day this year falls on the same uh, Sweet 16 schedule that March Madness is going to have. Is that true? If Seton Hall gets that far, do we need to worry about Gary Cohen missing opening day? Wow. You know what? I had no idea that that schedule was the way it was. I had not even thought of that. Um, uh, this is, honestly, see, I'm here. I'm now giving you S and Y content for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know the answer to that. Wow, I really Greg! Don't know the answer. To that. I can't believe you stumped the um, Mets reporter. Great job, though. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll have to ask. Yeah, I have no idea what the answer to that would be. I would assume that Gary would still do Mets, but I, I that is wow. That's a good see. This is why. This is really why I'm here, so that I can <laughs> I can learn some things from you guys. Oh, um, I, so I don't know. If, I don't know. If we need to create a. If we need to create some way to make sure Seton Hall plays the late game, somewhere relatively close, <laughs> so Gary, Gary can do the broadcasting doubleheader, uh, I, yeah, I, we can start That'd be, that'd be quite the doubleheader. That'd be well, quite the doubleheader. Luckily, I don't think Seton Hall's going to get that far. I don't know anything about college basketball, but I do know things about Seton they're, Hall. They're, so. Ryan, they're good this they're, year. They're, they're, they're a bad. legitimate chance. What? Yeah, they're, they're really good bad. this year. Yeah, oh, no, man, this is a threat then. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> All right, Steve, dude, thank you so much for hanging out and coming on the show. Uh, honestly, you're invited whenever. And uh, why don't you tell everyone you what it, you do, boy. even though it's, like, very obvious at this point. Uh, I am a field reporter for the New York Mets, so watch us on uh, on SMY. And, uh, you know, Steve Gelbs, you can follow me basically anywhere except for TikTok with that handle. So, I don't know, guys. I, I, once you guys get on TikTok, then you've officially surpassed me. I, I got to be honest, Steve. I had it, and I deleted it. I was like, I can't do this. I'm too I, old. It's, it's the first time It's the first time in my life I felt old. It's yeah. the first time where I was Same. like, nope, don't get it. Not going to get it. I've moved on. I was like in bed like three nights in a row, like scrolling these videos. I was like, I'm the oldest person on earth. I just turned 30. I'm literally <laughs> the oldest person on earth. I must delete this immediately. That's exactly what happened. So. <laughs> All right, Steve. Thanks so much, and we'll uh, we'll talk All to right. you soon, and hopefully, uh, let's go yeah. Mets. I guess, yeah. Right, Greg. You you, you got it, guys. <laughs> and uh, and and seriously, I, I know I've said it to you guys a couple of times, but uh, but congratulations on the success. I know Thank what you. it's like to to start something from scratch and keep doing what you're doing because uh, I know a lot of Rangers fans that that love the content, and I'm one of them. So uh, keep it up, and uh, and we'll talk soon. All right, see you soon, Steve. Thanks so much. Yep. All right, done recording. Hey, we're back. One of my favorite interviews of all time. Steve is an absolute G. Is that cool to say? He's a G. And also he can come. I'm, I, I, get, I, get, I get what you did there. Yeah, Steve G. <laughs> and then he can come back on uh, whenever he wants, for real. Uh, let's do some five-star questions. We have a, a bunch. People, curi- oh. people are curious. They're asking. People oh my. are asking. MK11224 asks, do you guys think the Rangers will do well draft? Do you guys think the Rangers do well drafting and scouting goalies? Or does our goalie success come from the great coaching of Benoit Lair? Looking back well, at ben, it, well, oh, sorry, the oh, question's not l- done. Looking back at it, we've always had great backups behind Hank. In the last few years, we were able to trade them for assets. Is more picking the right guys, or is it the coaching? Well, I, 
what I was going to say before I didn't realize there was more questions to be asked. Yep. Uh, Alaire has a say in who the Rangers draft at goalie. So it's yes to both. Like Lind- Lindbaum is a Benoit Alaire selection from what I've been able to understand. That's a guy Alaire wanted to the Rangers to put in their system. Um, when it comes to like the Cam Talbots of the world, the Georgievs of the world, these unheralded guys, uh, I would be stunned if the Rangers have made a goalie related move in the last 10 years that didn't in some way, shape or form involve say from Benoit Allaire. I, I would, it, if someone told me that if Carpinello came on this podcast next week and said, Benoit Allaire has no say in Rangers moves when it comes to goalies and hasn't ever had a say in those moves, I'd legit be stunned. I'd be, I'd, I'd be flabbergasted. Yeah. I saw Rick get a question this week that was, uh, do you think if if and when Hank retires, Alaire will go with him? Do they go hand in hand? And Rick was like, "No way," but I doubt it. So, I think Alaire uh, is is the big reason. He he picks these guys. I I really do believe that, by the way. And he he trains and scouts them. I think he's one of the bigger re- like you've seen what happens to these goalies when they leave. It's not been pretty. In case you're wondering. Uh, um. Yeah, I don't think it's been like it hasn't been ugly. Well, Ronta's been Ronta in, can't, injured. He can't Ronta stay can't stay healthy. And Cam Talbot and lost a fight just in old. Ice, Yeah, yeah, he's gotten old. It's fine. Uh, this is uh, Ex Heed. I think that's how you pronounce it. Who knows? I'm a big fan of the podcast. What are you guys' thoughts on Strom's future in New York? Also, I was wondering how you think the Rangers' D lines up looks up in a few years. And he also asks, or she, uh, they also ask rather, uh, who's your favorite mascot in the NHL? So let's go down the list here. Strom's future in New York. He's probably the third line center next year, uh, and we we take him to arbitration. I think you and I agree on that. Yeah, if if the Rangers want to trade Ryan Strom, see, I the Which Rangers seemingly trade, they don't from every, well from anything we we've, we've heard at all. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a they they clearly don't want to. It's just it's a little harder to see the solution when you move Strom. As crazy as it sounds, if you get the assets you get back for Chris Kreider means you can replace Chris Kreider any which way you want. Like you now have so many bullets in that chamber. If you want to go the trade route, there's literally no one that isn't available to you. Right. With, with Strom, Strom's not going to give you the overwhelming return in a trade. We don't think, uh, I know some people were making the, well, if this is what Blake Coleman can get, you got to trade Ryan Strom again, just because Strom has another year of control under his belt, the big thing with Coleman is he's making less than $2 million next year. Strom's going to be making, or at least, I think, $4.5 million. So having a guy that produces like Strom is great, but you're not going to be paying him like you're going to, the Lightning are going to be paying Blake Coleman next year. Um, I just think, I, I, again, the Rangers are moving closer and closer to the finish line of this rebuild. If they truly want to be competitive and in and actually in the playoff picture next year not just close enough like they are this year where they're playing well and people get excited like actually a couple points outside of the playoff picture or inside the playoff picture it's hard to imagine the rangers doing that without a competent third center on the roster and if you take ryan strome off this roster they don't have any internal candidates to replace them and signing one would be very tough yeah, and trading for one tough as well. It, it it feels a lot easier to trade for wingers than it does for centers, huh? Like it certainly everyone does. that's been moved, everyone that's been moved is on the wing. I don't think we've seen a significant center traded. There's there's really none available. I mean, I think I even saw Greg Wachinski say that there's like no centers with years left being traded at all. 
Um, this next question. Oh no, we still have to answer more questions uh, from them. Uh, how do you? Uh, how do you think the Rangers D lineup looks the next few years down the road? I think this lineup looks, uh, I, I'm not sure. Well, Ryan Lindgren, huh? Woo. I don't know if that boy can I play like, hockey, but I like his spirit. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited. The Rangers have a guy like Ryan Lindgren where he's good enough to play every night in the NHL, but not going to be, not going to be the kind of guy you need to ever worry about paying. Like just ride that Ryan Lindgren train until all of a sudden it gets to the point in his, contractual status where he needs to make $4 million a year and then just go find yourself another Ryan Lindgren. I do Ryan. I do think Ryan, Ryan Lindgren will end up playing in the NHL for a few more years than Brad Marchand. Has oh, said. no, he's yeah. But I just, obviously he's not a guy you worry about paying. Yeah, I, I agree. I do think uh, Miller and Lundquist uh, will be on this team within the next few years. I, I know that uh, the NBC commentary, which was one of the worst commentary sessions I've ever listened to said that uh, Miller might be up next year. I think they're crazy. I think two years from now, you're getting both Niels and, uh, and Miller, they're going to be on this team, and that's going to restructure uh, the way the defense works. And that, that'll be probably, depending on if there's any other stars you get from your defense or that random prospects that come out of absolutely nowhere, it'll be uh, Truba, Niels, Miller, Shea. I mean, is Tony going to be yeah, here? What? Well, it hurt my feelings. Fox wasn't the first name to come out of your mouth. Well, Fox, like, in, in my head, like, he's a lock-in, right? He's just the number the- one. Defense. Honestly, the only two guys I see as locks to be Rangers. Like, if you're asking me, make a prediction about what you th- I think the blue line will look not in 2021, but in 21-22. I think Fox and Truba are the only locks. If Truba, if Truba is still on the team July 1st, I do, I do not think he will be traded, but there will definitely be a lot of talks about it, especially because that's when his no move move contract comes up. Uh, if if he's still on the team July 1st, he will be a lock to be on this team for a very long time. Get used to it. Uh, and the last one is who's your favorite mascot? It's gritty. It's not even close. I don't have a favorite mascot. I'm not a child anymore. I am. Nick Sweet thirteen asks trade trade trades. Am I the only one who's actually concerned about extending Kreider? You are not. He's had some great moments throughout his career, and it was amazing to watch him turn into the speed demon he is. But we've all seen what's happened to Girardi, Stahl, and Richards, and they all got paid for what they have done, and not and never been able to perform up to their contracts. Also, now what are your predictions for Georgiev? Close to the trade line lines. I don't hear any rumors. Uh, the, the only people I see posting rumors every day is for forever blue shirts. And I have no idea how credible they are. They're not. Uh, thanks guys. Keep up the perfect podcasting. I, I, I just want to say something about any sources, any, I'm talking about people that are insiders in the NHL. Nobody knows anything. This isn't the NBA. You, you see people like Fitz and our friend Ethan at Gotham sports network trashing, absolutely trashing NHL insiders. It's because they don't know. Sometimes they don't break trades until two or three minutes after the trades have broken on Twitter. So anyone who's like, I have this insider information, maybe they have like a drop, a pin, some sort of information or are making logical conclusions, but it's really hard for me to, to believe that anyone's really like a deep insider in the NHL. That's just my feeling. Yeah. We're, we live in a world where Nick Kiprios and when I was getting on the plane to go to Vegas, Nick Kiprios broke a story saying Shea Weber's ankle is so, or not even ankle, Shea Weber's foot is so fucked up that Montreal Canadiens are considering life without Shea Weber indefinitely. His career might be over. By the time I landed in Vegas, uh, the Canadians released a report saying he's got a bad sprained ankle. He might miss a month. And Kiprios doubled down saying, that I, I, resp- I understand this, but what I said is, what I said, I'm sticking by it. And then t- today's report is Shea Weber might play on Wednesday. So <laughs> that, that, that is, to me, the NHL insidership personified right there. Reporter says a player's career is over, 
and in a week he's back on the ice. Yeah, I was an insider one time. I got a piece of information three hours early from a reliable source that said we were going to trade Jimmy VC. It was three hours early, and I didn't. It didn't matter at all. That was the only well, we time. Also, what, once upon a time, we had a source that said Kovalchuk to the Rangers was a done deal. Yeah, that's true. And guess what? Done deal. Like, super done deal. Wasn't. It was not. So Couldn't have been less done. It's true. Uh, Clearly not a New York Ranger. Very much nice. Doing well in Montreal. Good for him. Next question. You know, oh, well, go on. well, we didn't answer the credit part of the question. And I, I'm just... Oh, sorry. I'm, we're running out of ways to answer this, so I'm going to answer it this way. You know how I view Chris Kreider? How? I view Chris Kreider a lot like I viewed Jose Reyes. The first time he was getting ready to leave the Mets. Guy in the prime of his career has enough of an injury history where you're hesitant. His game relied mostly on an element that never ages well, speed. And while I understood locking Reyes up long-term, obviously would have kept the Mets better in that two to three year stretch. I knew that he wasn't a guy I would have been comfortable giving a five or six year contract to. And I, it, it checks every box that Chris Kreider checks in my mind. Yeah, I'd love to keep rooting for Chris Kreider, but I also understand it's probably not in the Rangers' long-term interest to do so. And I do feel like Georgiev will be dealt if he is dealt in the offseason or if the abs come in right now and are like, hey, here's a ridiculous package. I think if, they, if, if Gorton's offered a can't-say-no package, he'll do it, period, end of story. Yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, I'll also say the New York Rangers are going to open next season with two goalies, and one of those goalies is Igor Shesterkin. So I, am I less certain about who the second goalie will be? Yeah, but I know the Rangers aren't going to go into next year with three goalies. Igor, yeah, Igor is 100% the future of goalie. Goalieing or goldering? Goldering? Is that what Drew, Drew Way called it? Um, all right, this one's from Rory Langers, a frequent commenter from Great Britain. Hey, Ryan and Greg, I'm sort of new to Rangers slash hockey Twitter. And from, from, I'm sorry, stop now. And from what I'm seeing, there's a lot of negative, negative and reactionary fans. Wow, you are very observant. Is this just a New York thing? Every time the Rangers lose, it's like the world's going to end. And from what I read, we're still a rebuilding year. Following off from this, is this people are is these people getting fed up with the rebuild? Or they want to make panic moves or just push for the playoffs? Also, I would never understand the Hank slander. How can people disrespect such a le- legend? Honestly, never seen anything like it. Also, this part's for you, Greg, and only you. I'm also glad that Southampton have turned things around for Greg's sake. They even beat my team Chelsea recently. They did. Uh, keep up the fantastic we, they, work you guys do. Thanks. They, they they put up they put up a big old sticker on fucking uh, Saturday morning, <laughs> and I stayed up until four thirty to watch that goddamn game. Um, really though, they should have gotten a point. There was a clear and obvious handball okay. in the box, and anyway, they didn't award so, the penalty. That, that's enough about Southampton. <laughs> is is Rangers Twitter more toxic than other Twitters? No, no. No, uh, Twitter's just a like toxic that. place. You, you'll find them. Uh, the problem with Hank haters is they're so insecure about themselves that they have to be extra noisy. So you you think you think you hear it more from more people, but really you're it's just a, hearing a, it loudly from the same very people loud minority. That's exactly what it is. And there are good people yeah, and, and good information on it's Twitter. It's just an like, echo chamber. It's you know I I I would be naive to say I haven't met good people on Twitter. Like I, there's a lot of people I really love interacting with and, but there's a lot of people where I'm like, I don't really understand how you exist. And I think that's the way you have to go about it. There's good people you should talk to and there's other people you should stay away from. Um, yeah. I think part of, part of why I had such a good time in Vegas was I, I just wasn't on my phone for large parts. It's good to have that, day. that getaway. 
it's enjoyable. Yeah, I I just wasn't on Twitter, and it was wonderful. Like I would go on Twitter occasionally just to see if there are any updates, but it's not like my normal experience of kind of checking Twitter at least a couple times an hour. Like it was really nice to just not be tethered at all to my phone. It was chef's kiss. Uh, this one's from cool. And then literally 27 numbers. Do you guys see a chance of the stars aligning and Zuccarello resigning with the Rangers? Even if it's years down the line, that boy got a bag and not just a bag five years worth of a bag. If, yeah, I think Duke, Zook signed his last contract. With if the there ever was a, uh, uh, there, a la Shattenkirk, a la Dan Girardi, where for some reason the Wild were like, we're buying him out. I do think there's a chance Zuccarello would be back on a fourth line position for the New York Rangers. I think that is the only scenario. Yeah, I think, like you said, unless he gets bought out, it would be wild to buy a player out with four years of control remaining actually it Especially, would be wild for sure yeah thank you and uh not 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 only that but it's it's like it's not like zuccarello has been playing poorly so it's not like that contract is an albatross for minnesota i think they have a lot more problems on their hands yeah, they than whether matt zuccarello yeah. the, <laughs> poor bruce i kind of felt bad for him honestly me too uh but yeah i i think zook signed his last contract with the wild and i think uh, it's not worth your time daydreaming scenarios where Zoo comes home. I'm very happy for him. I'm glad he got paid. Good for him. He got, he got paid. Yeah, I really am glad. Uh, it was nice to see him the other day. Uh, Guy1926 says, love the podcast, guys. You always provide great insight. I'm sorry. Uh, during the game versus the Wild last night. Oh, this is a good question. At one point, they showed the face-off, and it was 35-14 to 14 Wild. I remember we've been horrible at face-offs for a long time, so I did some research. Since 2013-2014, we are 30-31 in the league, including Vegas, in face-off percentage at 48%, with no years above 50%. What are your thoughts on this? Um, We haven't exactly had a lot of good centers, and even Mika Zibinijad, who you may have noticed, isn't like... He's a very good center, but his game isn't at face-offs. Chris Kreider often takes face-offs, despite being a winger. Uh... I don't just I just don't think we've had a lot of great face-off guys. I'm not sure what that means, and I'm sure the analytics crew could tell you if if, if it actually doesn't correlate to something. Like winning a face-off is better for scoring goals, etc. I think the logic would be behind that, but I'm not sure there's actually a correlation. Um, it's just we haven't had great face-off players for a very long time. Yeah, I remember once upon a time Dumb when work. the Brett Howden hate was really fermenting, like bubbling under the surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of the Howden, I don't want to call them fanboys, but Howden supporters were saying, well, he's really good at face-offs. And I just remember that being the one thing everyone was saying Brett Howden could do that someone like Leah Sanderson couldn't do. And I, I'm sure there is an answer. I'm sure there's an article Drew could link to us that explains why face-offs are or aren't valuable. It does feel like the one, the one time face-offs are valuable or, or when you're in offensive and defensive zones, right? So, like, obviously, if you're pinned in your own zone, you want whoever your best face-off guy is on the ice. If you're on the power play in the offensive zone, you obviously want your top scoring center to be able to win a face-off to set up your offensive zone um, positioning on the power play. But, like, how much value is gained or lost by losing face-offs at center ice or losing the offside face-offs? Like, that I – don't, I don't know those answers. I in my head, in my very simple, non-analytical viewing of it, I can't 
see a center ice faceoff being, I mean, it's always more valuable to have the puck, but like, is it how much percent more how valuable much to more win? Is it real? Yeah, it like from center ice, so much is going to happen between winning that faceoff and the team that wins trying to enter the offensive zone. Whereas, like, again, defensive zone faceoffs are critical. But I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how. I don't know how. Val- I don't think the Rangers are a bad team because they don't win faceoffs. Like, I think part of the problem, part of the reason why the Rangers don't win faceoffs is because the last couple of years they just haven't had very good players that could like takeaways of Benajad and who's the best takeaways of Benajad and Kevin Hayes. And who would you say is the third best Ranger center since 2015? Derek Stepan. Yeah. And my, he hasn't been a Ranger for three years. My, my gut reaction right away was Stepan. Yeah. He, yeah. And he hasn't Hedl been here for be three right years. Afterwards and Heedle's like still developing. Yeah. And Heedle's been here for a grand total of like of the last three years, Heedle's been here for one and a half, two years. Right. So it's like, Part part of it is the Rangers haven't had good enough play. Like David DeHarnay is not going to win you faceoffs. All right, let's. Uh, next one. This is from. Oh man, so David. Uh, remember David? I pronounced his name last week. It was an absolute terrible job by me. He he messaged me. He was like, "It's not Schnecker, it's Shanker." So David Shanker, which I think is worse. I don't know if it is. Sorry, David. How is it uh, worse? Just a name, bro. It's just Let, like you know. Stop name shaming. I think about you know stabbing. Ryan, right? you're name shaming. I am. You're name shaming. Meeting. Uh, sorry, David. Hey, it's me again. I know you like double questions. I do. Are the Ra- the Rangers allowed to talk with Kreider about maybe a ba- making a plan to bring him back on July 1st? Like, put a contract in place they both agree to, but they don't sign it until free agency? Dude, anything is possible. Have you seen the NBA? Like, Kemba Walker knew he was going to be a Boston Celtic like six, six months in advance. So, like, could they say that to Kreider? Yes. But will they? Probably not. And what, and what benefit is it to Kreider for him to... At that point, Kreider should hear offers from everybody and he can do that once he reaches free agency. And as soon as someone offers $3 more than the Rangers want, it's not his responsibility to be like, well, I actually made this agreement with New York. Right. Like it's not, there's no contract. There's no signing. Like it's just a gentleman handshake, but we had a gentleman handshake with Shattenkirk and we bought him out. So, I mean, that's, that's just the business. It is. And someone's going to offer Chris Kreider seven years. Uh, And someone's going to offer him $7 million too. Seven X seven. That's what he's going to get. And he deserves it. So let him get get his money. Uh, this is second question is this is kind of outdated, but I'm not sure you touched on it before. What are your thoughts on players having a personal goal song? Personally, I like the Rangers goal song, and I want them to keep it like that. Thanks, David. I don't hate the personal goal song idea, but I do like the Rangers goal song, and it is very fun to do at the stadium, especially when everyone knows it. Uh, it I think that's one of the parts of going to a hockey game that builds like the community, and one of the parts that makes it like one of the best sporting events live. Because when the goal song goes off, everyone in the stadium, pretty much no matter what stadium you're in, chants the goal song. Uh, so I think I, I prefer that rather than like a baseball walk up song and kind of steal, kind of deal rather. Yeah, but a walk up song like shows uh, some of your personality as you're walking to the plate. So it's like the perfect it's the perfect time for something like that to happen. I'm with you. I don't need individual player songs uh, for when a goal is scored. Like I remember when the Blackhawks were good and they were always on NBC during the playoffs. It was really cool hearing Chelsea Dagger play every time they scored a goal yeah. just because it's catchy as shit. Um, yeah. I mean, at the same time, I'll say this. I'm not so married to the Ranger goal song that if players wanted individual goal songs, it wouldn't ruin my day. It wouldn't make going to games less fun. If it makes the game more fun for players, I'm for it. I think that, uh, I, I just, think there should be like a couple, I tend couple not to nights think a year it. where like they like do Ranger goal. Like if you score a goal, 
you'll get a song played. I don't know. Maybe that that's so linear because like who, how many people would score really? Like two or three, we get a song. I don't know. Yeah, I, look if if the players if the players make a point about wanting to do it, I'd say do it. Otherwise, the Rangers have it pretty good right now, and I don't think you need to change the book too much. Final questions from Kyle STD. Catch the fever. Uh, this is Kyle pointed out to me this week that uh, um, TSN wrote an article about that little video I posted. Thanks, TSN. Appreciate it. Uh, do you the Ra- the Rangers? Po- Am I crazy? The Rangers posted first, yeah, which is where we found it, right? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then the Rangers took it down. Yeah. So here's the story. I was in bed, and I was like, "Oh, that's weird." The Rangers posted this video, and I was like, "This is pretty funny." So I went and downloaded it because I wanted to have it for my archives because that's what I do because I'm a sicko. And then uh, I went to go look at it again, and it was gone. And I was like, no, they didn't delete this, did they? Because I guess someone told them about the trade bait list. So then I immediately posted it, and then that was that. Then we went. Then we went viral, Greggy. Yeah, it's what it. Well, you went viral. I'm taking no credit for this. I, look, credit where credits due, Ryan. Team, I'm not gonna teamwork, Gregory. Teamwork. Uh, but it like so. I the first time I saw the video where the Rangers tweeted it out, I didn't actually like click it to hear the sound. So I'm just looking at it. I'm like, ah, oh, that's interesting. Whatever. Didn't think much about it. But then I saw that you posted it specifically because of the sound on it. I was like, oh. So I went. I did what any normal human being would do. I went back to the Ranger feed being like, oh, they couldn't possibly have kept this video. And sure enough, they didn't. And I was, it, it, made, me, it made me chuckle. It really helped my, uh, my, <laughs> my application process for the MSG uh, social digital coordinator job that I want to get. Uh, they probably well, did, I, didn't I love think, that, I think you got. <laughs> well, I think you got some poor person fired because – they posted that video first. Yeah, well, I guess they did. You know, gotta gotta read the TSN trade bait list, or you know, go gotta to the Athletic, it. read their market trade. It's just the same thing, but better. Um, last, okay. So Kyle asks, uh, do the five star questions first on the podcast? We always hear you talk about them in depth, depth already. May move the pod along better for you guys. The reason we don't do them first is because the monologue section of our podcast is the most important, and I don't want to usually. I'll do them sometimes before the guest, but I usually like to do them right before the guest or after the guest. That's I don't want to have the questions go first and dictate what we're talking about. That's the reason we don't do them first. Yeah, don't tell us how to do our jobs. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. Uh, and then with Arizona fa- uh, failing so much, or falling rather, so much in the last few months, do you see them maybe doing a retrawl, uh, pretty much trading Hall again because they can't trade him? I mean, it's definitely something they could do. I don't. They gave up so little to get him that they're kind of playing with house money. Uh it would surprise me a little bit if they flipped him again, but it wouldn't be the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, he also mentions would it knock uh, Kreider's value off if if Hall was still out there? Probably not. I don't. I don't because I don't think Taylor Hall has necessarily played incredibly well since being traded. Meanwhile, Chris Kreider is lighting up the world. He's one of the he best on players fire. in the NHL he, right now. So he picked he picked the best time of the year to have his three week hot streak. Uh, and that's the that's the show. Next week we'll have the biggest show of the year, Gregory. It's it's our. And as as uh, I'm sure you guys know, if something happens midweek, Ryan and I will yep. attempt to do emergency podcasts. Not, and it won't. We we promise it won't be hidden behind a paywall. We'll no, yeah, we'll make, make sure those that bad happens. boys. Yeah, we'll make sure those bad boys are like they always are, just on the feed, ready to go. Our reaction to the trade. If we could find someone to talk turkey with us, we will. But and, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, we're talking to you guys sometime during the week about a trade that happened because those are always. It's always the most fun to do those since our emotions are 
as raw as humanly possible. It's true. And uh, uh, I'm assuming we've already asked, but we'll uh, we'll beg Rick to come on next week. So we'll go from there. He, know, he knows. He knows. <laughs> he has he has he has standing with us, but I'll, I'll I'll be blowing phone between now and then. All right, sounds good. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at OH Ryan Mead. Greg is at Blue Shirts Break. And I want to thank all our supporters, including uh, uh, Brian Doyle, Ben Weber, uh, Ben Waters, uh, Tory from Manhattan, Brian. Uh, did I say Brian Doyle already? I think I did. You did. Okay. That was the first one you said. All right, cool. Great job, Brian. It's me. funny. I, th- I thought I thought, thought about Brian this weekend because I actually had to take Amtrak to and from hey, New York hey, City. Dude, Brian. What a legend. Uh, just uh, This is the last thing we'll talk about. Brian takes the Amtrak every day from like Albany to New York City. That's a nightmare. No, dude, worse. It's from like Vermont. Ugh, Brian. Yeah. Move. He's, he's, he's an animal. <laughs> Move, buddy. He's an animal. Thank you all so much for supporting us, and we'll be back again next week. Love you all. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.